Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, today's study begins the topic of brave conversations. We'll be focusing on safe spaces today as we look deeper into Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Let's dig in. One of the things that the church has not always done a great job of offering to people is safe space. If you fit in, if you keep your opinions to yourself, if you believe like the church that you attend believes, then the church can be a very safe space for you. But if you are struggling with something, if you have gone through a very traumatic experience, or if you're the type of person like me who questions a lot, sometimes the church can be a very um, seemingly unsafe space. And so our goal over the next few weeks, and also with our study today, is to begin to create a conversation about what does it look like to create a safe space in religious and spiritual and faith-centered environments. It's a very important topic for us to begin that conversation about the necessity and the ways in which we can create safe space, we're actually going to begin on day one of this Bible study with the very beginning of the church itself. Way back in that first century AD with the day of Pentecost where the Spirit falls in Acts chapter two. Now, if you don't know what all of those words that I just used meant, Pentecost, First century AD, the start of the church, the spirit falls. That's okay, because that is the foundation of our reading today in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, every day we won't read through every single verse in the readings that we have, but today I think that it might be a good idea for us to do so. So why don't we just jump right in in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish celebration that goes way, way back. All the believers and believers, meaning the people who were followers of Jesus Christ, and they were a small number at this point because this is right after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, verse 2, there was a sound from heaven like a roar of a mighty windstorm. So think of a, a tornado sound, the sound of a train, and it filled the house where they were sitting in. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now, it's difficult to kind of imagine what this looks like because they've never seen anything like this before. They don't necessarily have words to be able to create a picture of what they are witnessing. It would be a bit like somebody from 500 years ago trying to explain to you what a jetliner looked like flying through the sky. They wouldn't have words really to describe what it looked like because it was so outside the boundaries of what they had ever experienced or seen before. And so the best thing, 
the best way that they can describe this in their words is it looks like flames, like fire, uh, a, a tongue of fire that appears and settles over each and every person who was there. But this wasn't just a visual metaphor. This wasn't just something that they saw, but it was also something that had an effect. And verse four says that everybody present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is key and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And so uh, I speak English. I know a few words in other languages, but I have no second language. But if I were to begin to speak in Japanese or Spanish, if I were to begin to speak in French, this would be something that would be miraculous, would be something that I don't have the ability to do, but something somehow gave me the ability to do. And so this is what's in view here. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Now, this is because Pentecost was a celebration that brought people in from all over the countryside and, and the area and even all over the world, the known world to some extent there. And when all of these people hear the loud noise, so it wasn't something that was just in the minds of the people who were gathered in that room. Everybody hears this in the city. Everyone comes running and they were bewildered when they hear their own languages being spoken by people who did not know their own language. So, um, you know, I grew up in Nowhereville, Indiana, where we would probably be referred to um, most truthfully as, as rednecks. And so if a redneck comes, uh, you, you know, someone from my hometown comes to you speaking um, in fluent French, you're going to know that this is not something that this person is probably trained to speak in. And so all of these people from other places come and hear these people who should not be speaking their language speaking their language. People who have no knowledge or understanding of their culture, which includes their language, speaking fluently and easily in their language is mind-rattling. It's unexpected. It's hard for us in this day and age where so many people speak multiple languages and where we kind of live in a melting pot for us to understand what it would have been like for these people who were so grounded in their own culture and so walled off in their own culture without mixing together. It wasn't a one world idea back then. It was a you are a part of your tribe. Your tribe is not my tribe. We are not going to mix together to hear people from other tribes, from other cultures, from other backgrounds and nationalities, speaking fluently to your culture, it's really difficult for us to stand how just mind-blowing that would have been for them to hear. And so I think that that word bewildered there in verse 6 is a really adequate term. They were bewildered, not just in awe, not just shocked, not just surprised, but we're bewildered. This is something that is not only not usual, but not supposed to happen. There are things that are in place in culture and society that prevent this thing from happening. And so there's just bewilderment. And so they were completely 
amazed. They were shocked. Their jaws were on the ground. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, which is essentially like saying these people are from Indiana. These people are from Kentucky. They're from the hills. They're the rednecks. That's that's essentially what's being said here. Is it's it's a, a it's a diminutive term. They're putting them down. These people are from Galilee. These are blue collar working class people, backwoods from the hills, from the holler. And how are they speaking in a second language? They can't even speak their own language correctly. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the providence of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya around Cyrene. They're naming off these middle class and upper class, these cultural centers of the old world. Galileans would have never visited any of these places, let alone been allowed to be educated in any of their languages. But here they all are, both Jews and converts to Judaism from Rome, Cretans and Arabs. And we hear all of these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. And I love that about the wonderful things that God has done. There was a message that was being shared. And it wasn't being translated. It was being spoken directly in their own language. And they stood there now not just amazed, but perplexed. I think perplexed by um, the shock of a backwoods country bumpkin speaking in their cultural heritage directly to them but also with the message that is being spoken here. They are amazed and perplexed. And what could this mean? They asked each other, what can this mean? Now, there are a lot of things that this means. And many pastors on the day of Pentecost or when they preach about the start of the church or want to talk about the Holy Spirit, dive into what can this mean deeply. But I want to take today, as we kind of bring this plane in for a landing, a bit of a different vantage point for what can this mean. We're talking about having brave conversations and creating safe space. And I think that there's something to be said here for this passage, giving us a reminder of the necessity of doing that. So, my first question is, how do you respond when you hear God's voice come from somewhere or, in view of this passage, someone unexpected? In yesterday's sermon, um, I kind of pointed out that God's voice not only can come from unexpected places, unexpected people, but oftentimes intentionally comes from unexpected places and unexpected people. If you're a Republican, you might need to listen to Democrats because they may be the ones who are most speaking God's voice to you. If you're a Democrat, you may need to be listening to Republicans because it may well be that they're the ones who are most speaking God's voice to you. 
If you're heterosexual, it may well be that God's voice is going to come to you most clearly and most directly through someone who is gay, someone who is lesbian, someone who is transgender. And if you identify in one of those categories, perhaps it may well be that God's voice is going to come to you most directly from someone who is heterosexual. If your hang-up is people of color, then maybe God's voice is going to come to you most directly from people who are part of the Black Lives Matter movement or people of color. If you're a person of color, maybe some white All Lives Matter person is where God's voice is going to come most directly to you. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor Kevin? Well, what I mean by that is, is that God oftentimes seems to use a group or class or type of person whom we most disdain and most believe that God cannot, is not, and will not work through to speak to us. Why do I say that? Well, I say that because God does that often through Scripture. It's why he tends to speak through Samaritans and Egyptians. It's why he speaks through Ethiopians. It's why he speaks through refugees, people who are poor. It's why he speaks through people who are handicapped or who society has set aside like Zacchaeus, tax collectors. It's why his apostles are a ragtag punch of secondary citizens who couldn't cut it in rabbi school, and yet they become a part of Jesus' band of apostles. I think that whenever somebody speaks to us, especially speaks to us spiritually, who is unexpected, who is unlike us, who is the type of person that we oftentimes do not or would not listen to, those, those are the individuals who may be speaking God's voice to us. We have a tendency to not allow ourselves anymore to listen to people who are unlike us, to people who are different than us, especially people who vote different than us or, or think um, theologically different from us, whether it be conservative or, or liberal or, or progressive. Those may be the very voices who you most need to listen to. I can't go into it, but here in Acts chapter 2, this is, this is part of what's being said here. God's voice is coming from the most unexpected, most disdained group of people, Jews from Galilee, who believed in this Jesus fella. It was God's voice who was speaking through them. The other thing that I think is important about this, and I've already kind of touched on this, is that this major first event, and this is a major first event, it's the start of the church. It gives us hope that we can see, understand, live, and talk with others who radically differ from ourselves. All of the walls are broken down here in this major first event in the church. Ethnic walls, language walls, socioeconomic walls, and they are speaking and listening to each other without thought of social class, without thought of gender, without thought of culture or tribe without thought of theological background or perspective. They're having conversations with each other that are driven by God. We can't overlook that or look past it. 
for that reason, I think it is important to us to recognize that this should be a model of what the church is, a place where we can see and understand and live and talk with others who are radically different from ourselves. Have you shut down people who are radically different in viewpoint than you? Have you stopped listening because it offends your politics or it offends your previous held beliefs or it offends your certainty on theologies? Maybe there's some room for growth there. And finally, do you create safe space? Do you create safe space in your home? Do you create safe space in your professional career? Do you create safe space in your social media for there to be dialogue and conversations? Now, maybe perhaps there should be boundaries and there are things that are inside and are outside of being okay. But in general, I think that this is a really important question that we ask ourselves. Do you create safe space? Yesterday, um, one of my kids came home after um, being in a a youth program and, and was telling me a little bit about uh, what had been taught there. And one of the things that was taught there, um, I just had real substantial theological disagreements with. And I just immediately kind of aired that and said, well, I'm not really sure that that's right. This is what I think. And I don't think it was so much what I shared or that I had a difference of opinion, but it was how boldly, how strongly, and how little lack of space I created for alternative viewpoints um, that really caused the conversation to go south fast. And uh, it was a great conversation because what I learned out of that conversation was oftentimes um, that point in particular, I don't create safe space for there to be alternative viewpoints um, in our house with our kids. And what I learned is it's important for me And maybe this is something that all of us can learn. It's important for us to create space where others around us feel safe offering their perspective and their dialogue on God. And in return, we hope that they do the same for us. Do you create an environment where it's okay for people to have a differing opinion? And then do you have a conversation? Maybe at the end of that conversation, one person moves one way or the other. Maybe they don't. But I can assure you that no one will move or open themselves up to saying what they really think unless we create safe space around our tables and our homes and especially in our churches. Churches, pastors, I'm going to model this. You've got a model creating safe space for people to share what they really think and what they really feel. Or else we're really not reflecting the spirit of the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This Bible study on Brave Conversations is brought to you by Christ's Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy-to-follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. 
We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission, it's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. When you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list. And for those who choose to donate, well, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. Trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on safe spaces. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well at www.christtable.today. Thank you so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.